Nick and Matt Jackson. You're listening to the Work Shoot Wrestling Podcast. Suck Welcome to an all-new episode of the Work Shoot Wrestling Podcast. This is Corey Richmond, usually joined by the Human Wheelbarrow, but uh, Jason Brooks is uh, out in California celebrating his uh, wedding anniversaries. You know, if I was in California, most likely I'd be doing it on my own and finding out what else was out there, but you know. The first day of the podcast, Sharon Brooks is joining him, and I'm sure they're having a great time. But we have a great fill-in from the Morin's Law podcast. We have Christopher Morin joining us today. Chris, how are you doing on this uh, another crazy week in wrestling? Yeah, no, it's good to get away from my miserable existence to join you for this show and just uh, stop thinking about hitting my life for a few minutes. That's nice. Hey, you know, if I, if I can help a little bit in that wonderful journey, then... Uh, I'm here to uh, be that calming voice, which I'm sure won't help, but, you know, we'll see how it goes. But uh, another crazy week in wrestling. Uh, if you follow the quote-unquote dirt sheets or whatever you want to call them, Sean Ross Sapp from Fightful.com has had another interesting week of breaking stories. He had another two stories this week. Adam Cole, apparently his contract has already expired, and he's working basically on a handshake agreement until – uh, right after SummerSlam. And then today he also announced that Pete Dunne, the bruiserweight uh, contract, is also expiring uh, at, after SummerSlam. I know that I just told you about the second one, but what's your quick thoughts right off the bat about uh, basically the face of NXT and the first British champion in NXT UK basically possibly leaving? Well, I just want to know who's falling asleep at the wheel here because what's going on with this company now that there's so many issues with contracts expiring. I'm not realizing contracts are expiring. Then you had the incident with Aleister Black and the 90-day no-compete. There's just a lot of botches happening right now behind the scenes in WWE. And I would like to be a fly on the wall in that company and just say, like, I want to hear what people are saying. Like, what what do the wrestlers think about everything? in terms of the releases that we're going to discuss in a, in a few minutes and just what's been going on over the past six months. Like everyone, you know, the speculation, will they sell? Will they not sell? There's just so much to think about, but right with Adam Cole, I mean, listen, well, I mean, if you're Adam Cole right now, everything you get, everything you want, you get in NXT. Obviously you don't want to go to the main roster. If he goes over to AEW right now with the assumption that punk and uh, Brian Danielson are going to be there. I don't know. How does that throw a monkey wrench into everything in terms of the title picture? And just, I, I don't know. I mean, I think if I'm Adam Cole, I stay where I am right now in NXT, if that can be worked out. I mean, I don't I know he's not making that much money where they can't bring him back. <laughs> That's not an issue. So there's this, and listen, I'm in the minority with this and I get his technical prowess, but I've never been the biggest Pete Dunn fan. I don't get a lot of the, the, the hype behind Pete Dunne. If, if, if I had my druthers, Tyler Bate would be in the Pete Dunne situation. So I, I, I'm not going to miss him if he does leave. I mean, I imagine, but that doesn't make sense. Answer this question for me. If he leaves, wouldn't they just try to get him back to UK then in terms of NXT UK? Or how does that work? Well, I guess if his contract expires, I mean, he's a free agent. He can go anywhere he wants and it'll be kind of the idea of, which we'll talk about more with uh, in our next subject regards to Bray Wyatt and that whole entire thing. But you, there's all of this thing with the forbidden door and all of this, you know, synergy with all these companies. If a guy like a Pete Dunn were to leave, and I think that Pete of the two, I think Pete Dunn 
mostly he does come back because of the fact that he is pushed pretty well. He's leader of a stable. And I think that there is growth. I mean, if you ask me, like, who are the top three or four guys that will beat Samoa Joe once, you know, this carrying cross situation is figured out, I think you got to say Pete Dunn is a really good choice to possibly be who takes a title away from him. So, I mean, I would not be surprised if he stays, but his, his hardest part of his whole entire situation is the idea that he's not a great talker. And, you know, once you lose Pat McAfee as his mouthpiece, you see that more and more. So, I mean, I wouldn't go and say that it's a slam dunk that he leaves, but I do think the more interesting one right now is Adam Cole and what, what he does. Yeah, I mean, hey, listen, with the uh, are they engaged, he and Britt Baker, or are they just dating still? What's the, the status? I believe they're engaged. Okay, I mean, look, obviously he's going to get way more money to go AEW. You know they're going to give him as much money as he wants to go there. So to be with his fiance, I think, is an ideal situation for him. And the way WWE is just getting rid of people, I don't think they would really care that much. I'm sure Triple H will be bothered by this more than anything, as he was with Samoa Joe and how fast he got him to NXT once he was released from the main roster. So I think there's a war right now. You hear this stuff online. Listen, there's so much stuff reported. We don't know what's true, what isn't true. But if Triple H and Vince really have heat with one another, how ugly can this get? Absolutely. I mean, when you think about it, like with an Adam Cole, and we, you know, we'll, we'll bring this up now. I was gonna bring this up in a minute, but if you're Nick, uh, if you're Tony Khan, you have four. Cho- it's realistic. It's three, but if you have four choices to bring in, Adam Cole, Pete Dunne, Bray Wyatt, or Ric Flair, I would think your first choice is Adam Cole. And I don't even think it's close. So I mean, I think the situation that he's in right now is a great situation for himself. But what you said before in regards to you're bringing in, it sounds 99% true that CM Punk's coming in, Brian Daniels is coming in. You have the other people who were released in the last couple of rounds of cuts. I think that Adam Cole would feel comfortable there, but if he can get main roster money and stay in NXT, that might be the right move for him. But I mean, I think that's an interesting discussion point there. Um, if he gets main, if he gets main roster money, but, does, but stays in NXT, is that the right fit or is it time to do more things? Well, here's another question, just based on we could talk about this later on with Hangman Page. When you look at Adam Cole, you kind of see a Hangman Page. So which one of those two guys gets the, 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 the shaft, if you will, once both of them are on the roster? Yeah, I mean, um, I think it's going to be really interesting how all this develops. But something that we spoke about before the show went on the air was the bigger question here is, and like I said, Adam Cole is a great talent, Bray Wyatt and all of the stuff that's going on with Aleister Black and how things are being handled. Has Vince McMahon given up maybe too much power to Nick Khan on making decisions based on the bottom line of a budget and how things like Aleister Black not having a 90 day no compete because it was never changed from him going from NXT to the main roster, where if you're released from NXT, like you saw with the gentleman from Everize yesterday, which I thought that was a pretty funny segment. You may or may not get that with them, but the idea that, Alistair Black only had to wait 30 days instead of the normal 90 days. And with these contracts expiring. Right. I would love to hear the conversations going on between Vince and Nick Khan. How much is Nick Khan having to explain to Vince? Okay, this is what we're doing. And again, the sale is in the background. We don't know what their real plan is. Why is this happening? There's so many variables to the circumstance that we're encountering right now as just fans going, whoa, what's happening? We don't know. Yeah. So, I mean, 
So let's uh, let's get down to this. If you're the WWE right now and you can re-sign, you only could re-sign one. We'll go through both points of view here. You could only re-sign one, Adam Cole or Pete Dunne. Is it an automatic slam? I know that you, you're you not the biggest fan of Pete Dunne, but in their mind, is it an automatic Adam Cole is the number one priority? Or because Pete Dunne is younger and most likely in their mind might have more time to grow, who would you resign if you could only resign one? Well, to me, it comes down to the ratings. Look, we always talk about NXT's ratings being minimal at best anyway. I'm just, I would be curious to see what kind of numbers they would get if Adam Cole left. Who knows how many people tune in on Tuesday just to see him. I'd be worried about that. I'm inclined to believe there's way more Adam Cole fans than Pete Dunn fans. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a really good point. I mean, if it was me, I think that because of the, the uh, where they are in their career and because you want to, you know, expand the British market at some point, I think Pete Dunn would be the guy I would resign. But I, like I said, I'm a huge fan of Adam Cole and Jason Brooks, who's, you know, somewhere in California doing something. Who knows? Maybe visiting another ballpark. Um, is a huge, you know, Adam Cole fan. It's, you know, since we started this podcast, one of the guys that we've always said, you know, should be a bigger star than he is. But like I said, Pete Dunn, I think, I think you can grow him more. And I really think Adam Cole's done everything that he can do in NXT at this point. I just think when you talked about Mike skills, but I think Pete Dunn just lacks size also. He's just, he's just a very small guy. He's, he's just not, a guy you're going to build around Adam Cole, you're going to build around. And even he's limited in size in terms of not height, but he could probably hit the gym a little bit harder. But my point is I'm going Adam Cole over Pete Dunn every single day. Yeah, I could definitely understand that point of view. And one of the things that we've spoken about on this podcast, me and Jason in the past is the idea that yeah, Adam Cole went and faced, you know, Daniel, uh, the time Daniel Bryant and, and Seth Rollins. And Jason's always been like, well, you know, he's done that. And, you know, so they're, they're big fans of his. So one of the things that people forget is the reason why he was even up there in the first place for that basically week of shows was because of the Saudi Arabia, Saudi Arabia mess where they, you know, they couldn't come back. And it was basically a last second thing, get the NXT guys up. And then that led into, you know, Survivor Series. So yes, if you're just looking at as an outsider who doesn't see the long-term things, you would say that, you know, Adam Cole has a, a big future someday. But when you look at it, honestly, the only reason why he was up for that week was because of the Saudi Arabia situation. Neither guy has a future on the main roster, though. So this is their ceiling is NXT. They're not going to do anything. I agree. Um, we'll talk more about uh, the Adam Cole and Pete Dunn situation at Workshoot Pod. And I'm sure, uh, Chris, you'll, you'll talk about that uh, on your podcast, the Morning Law podcast, uh, the next time you record. Um, Bray Wyatt, Ric Flair, uh, both released. Bray Wyatt, uh, I think some people thought that was a shock. Um, his wife, apparently Jojo Offerman, was basically released with not really nobody knowing. His brother, uh, Bo Dallas, was released, you know. So a lot of people aren't sure why he was released at this point, if it was based on, you know, his, you know, a lot of people a month or so ago said that he was really um, having a lot of trouble dealing with the, uh, the death of Brody Lee. And that was one of the reasons why he was off TV, because he was trying to, you know, help himself mentally. At the same point, we don't know if this Fiend character ran its course or if it's just a money issue like a lot of other things. What, you know, of course, us not being on the inside of this particular issue. What's your thoughts on Bray Wyatt uh, being given his release? Well, look, he's been there a long time. When you think about a career, people forget how long he's been there dating all the way back to Nexus, Husky That's Harris. Funny. 
what is that, 2007? Has he really been with the company 14 years? About, yeah. That's crazy to think. And a lot of people can't say that. I mean, to just be there that long is commendable in terms of his career. Now, you hear different things in terms of the mental health. Uh, I believe he did tweet something recently. He also, there's been speculation about the contract, how much money was he making? Another Nick Khan uh, casualty, if you will. And I mean, look, we talked about the gimmick, right? Everyone loved Bray Wyatt. Everyone loved the Wyatt family. But when it became The Fiend, they got a little... Now, here's the thing. We don't know for real how much input he had on the character. People speculate he was in Vince's ear and Vince allowed him to do stuff with the character. So when we're blaming certain things of The Fiend, like a lot of things people thought were hokey a little bit, you could talk about the Firefly Funhouse match with Cena and how hokey that got at times. But the good and the bad with the character, how much was his fault versus how much was their fault? That's one thing we don't know. And in terms of the overall, like we talked about the red lights in his matches, how ridiculous that was. There were so many things that went against him. And then the one biggest thing about his character, or more so in the ring itself, was his matches were always blah. That was it. You didn't need to see his match. You didn't want to see his match. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the guy that he had the best chemistry with was at the time was Daniel Bryant. And otherwise, a lot of his matches, like you said, were blah. And they, it, I think one of the things that we'll talk about, about Karrion Cross and his treatment in a few minutes, but one of the major similarities between Karrion Cross and Bray Wyatt as the Fiend is the idea that neither one of them ever sold anything. And I understand you're supposed to be this like mythical character and you're basically like a godlike character where you don't feel pain. But when you don't sell what's going on, it makes it harder for people to actually engage where you just think, all right, why do I care about this if he's, and why, why should he ever lose, you know? And I think that was one of the problems that happened. And like you said, when it's, you know, when he was the cult leader, he was a lot, he was very interesting. He's one of the best talkers in the business, but sometimes it doesn't work when you're pulling so many strings out at the same time. And I, I do think what happened with him, you know, at WrestleMania with uh, apparently he was supposed to win the day of the show and then they, they changed everything with Randy Orion winning. That might have been the first sign that there might have been problems. But I mean, I do think he was one too many gimmicks. Yeah, I mean, I think the fans, uh, the fans tried to support him. There was clearly some support there. But then over time, again, like I said before, whether it was him or whether it was Vince, collectively, they ruined what was good about that character. Yeah, I agree. And I guess the last thing on this, uh, in this part of this would be the idea that when it comes to the bottom line, and we, we brought up this up a moment ago with Nick Khan with being the money man, if this was just a money dump and he was making too much money, maybe he'll come back at some point. The amount of money that he sold in t-shirts and masks, right. I, mean, I understand there are collectors out there and they go buy everything, but there were more than two people that bought that ridiculous fiend, you know, uh, world title that was like, what, six $600 or whatever the amount it was for one of those things. And the Fiend masks. I mean, I think what's really interesting is you go with 90 days, basically his contract expires the week of Halloween. I understand you can't use the Fiend character anywhere else, but if he pops up at an AEW or an Impact or somewhere, you could have him debut on Christmas or that Christmas, I mean, I'm not Christmas, sorry, that Halloween week, and you've got, you know, an automatic pitch right there of, you know, something interesting. Yeah, I mean, the merchandise is, is, is a question mark in terms of well, what were they really losing if he was selling so much merch? 
that, that that's what we we don't know in the books and you know we talk about sports franchises and salary caps and how smaller markets don't open up their books but we're not going to see what the WWE books look like and why they're really cutting all these costs they're not losing money no one can say that yeah they're going to Saudi they Arabia and uh and supposedly in the next couple of months and you get what what do they get like 50 million for every Saudi show so i mean not like they're they're dying over here. Well, they're doing a lot of dying over in Saudi Arabia, but that's another subject. Yeah, um, I just it just it makes no sense. We talk about all these releases. There were more releases this year than last year, and it's just I don't know what their plans are. I really don't. But uh, the question I asked to you in, in our in our little text chain is that is uh, Nick Khan secretly working for Tony? <laughs> and that would be an interesting development. This whole type thing. And uh, the host of the show, uh, Jason Brooks, just put in the chat. I can't believe they released Bray Wyatt. This guy is so talented. He has been hurt a lot, though, and maybe that, that's a factor. I mean, that is a, that's definitely an interesting thing that could be a reason why. I mean, that's one of the things when it came to the Wyatt family. They were never all – it was a very short period of time when they were all healthy together. You know, I mean, either Harper was hurt or um, – God, I forgot his name. The other, the other uh, buffoon in that group. Oh, Eric Rowan. Eric Rowan, who I never really saw much in, but right. was, you know, he was hurt in the past. But we brought this up, you know, earlier. What do you think is the best fit for Bray Wyatt if he doesn't come back for less money and resign? Because I mean, we've already heard like a Braun Strowman could be coming back at some point for less money. If he doesn't come back to WWE, what do you think the best fit is? Is it the is it Impact that does a lot of this spooky crap? Is it an ROH? Is it an, a New Japan? Is it uh, AEW who at some point? can't mostly sign everybody, but what, what would you say is your, uh, your best fit if Bray Wyatt wanted to uh, c- continue wrestling? Well, I would eliminate Ring of Honor in New Japan right away because I don't think he can work that style. I mean, I don't, I don't know what we, we know of him in the ring in terms of outside of WWE. There's a lot of guys not capable of either style. So I would lean towards more AEW or Impact for sure. And furthermore, if he's going to go with his real name, which is uh, Wyndham Rotunda, that's that's a great name in the business. People know the history of the Rotunda Wyndham family, and he could still do the same character without calling himself Bray Wyatt. He just he's no longer the fiend now. He's just doing the same. He's who he is basically. I don't think there's much of a stretch of who he is with the Bray Wyatt character. Yeah, I mean, uh, when you're saying the idea that he may not be the best fit for like a New Japan, I think that that I think he could be. If you brought in like the whole entire remaining members of the Wyatt family, I think that like spooky stuff and the these guys being so big, I think that could possibly work in re, you know, regards to being something different than they they normally see. But I do wonder though, what do you think it's do you think he is a good fit for AEW? Because he I don't know if the fan I know you could say the fan base is very, you know, whatever to begin with, with they love everything or they hate everything and they're super marks. But does his style, do you think it equates well with an AEW? Because I'm if not he, really sure if it does. If he shows up as Rotunda, uh, excuse me, Wyndham Rotunda, and he starts speaking like Bray Wyatt without saying Bray Wyatt and does all that same gimmick stuff, the crowd is going to eat it up and love him again. That's it. They're going to love him. Because they love that character before he became the Fiend. They love that character. And I'll, I'll give you the same question as before. We know that Adam Cole and you know Pete Dunne are on the open market. If they don't get resigned, if you were if you're AEW, I'm pretty sure we're going to still say Adam Cole's one. But is uh, is Bray Wyatt or Wyndham Rotunda 
the next guy on your list that you would want to sign or would you, or is he somebody that you let's see how things play out? I mean, cause I'm not sure. Like I said, I know you have the second show on rampage, but I don't know if he's the right fit. I feel he's more of a better fit for like an impact. I don't know if impact can pay him what he wants, but I do think impact might be a better fit where he can do more there, at least at the beginning. I think as long as Tony Khan still has daddy's deep pockets, he's going to bring everybody in until it backfires. And everyone could talk about, oh, WCW 98, 99, when everything did eventually backfire. But we don't know. We don't know what the plans are. We don't know what Tony Khan can, I don't know. It's hard to say. It really is. But right now, it seems like he brings everybody in to at least get a cup of coffee, see what happens. I still don't understand what happened with Matt Cardona. Why did Matt Cardona come in for a week and then leave? I didn't get that. Well, from what Matt Cardona said, uh, was that he was, uh, they gave him a, a you know, the five things and it just didn't work out. They didn't feel it was the right fit. And then he got the impact stuff. So, I mean, there was no hard feelings and maybe at some point he could come back, but you know, it'll be interesting to see where that goes. And if we have time, what well, we could talk about GCW and that whole type of thing. But um, the other guy who was released was Ric Flair and he asked for his release. And I'm not saying the Ric Flair thing is a huge thing. I mean, apparently depending on who you believe he left because of the fact that, he felt that they were booking, you know, Charlotte bad. I mean, yeah, she's in the title picture every five minutes, but I guess storyline-wise, what they were doing with her, he didn't love. I mean, besides, you know, Ric Flair doing something with maybe AW as a reuniting on a special show for the Horsemen, do you think that AW is a good fit? Or do you think that, you know, he'll just go around the indies doing some stuff for a little cash here and there, and Ric Flair is not a great fit there? What's your thoughts on Ric Flair? I mean, I don't know where he's going to pop up. The point is this. He's going to take whatever money is offered to him because we know he wants to make money just like he does with those commercials. What is that commercial for the car company or the insurance? What is that? Oh, um, car Shield, I think it is. Yeah, he does that commercial with what's his name? Um, Eli Drake. And Peter Avalon. With... Yeah. And Peter Avalon. Right, right. But the point is uh, with Ric Flair, I mean, look, we know – it's almost over for him in terms of this career and where he's going to go. You know, he's in the seventies, but I would be, I want to take it from a different perspective. If you're Charlotte and you see everything that happened with her father and how he's not happy with her, her, her usage there in terms of storyline, here's a better question. How did she feel about how she's being used there? And when is her contract up? And when does she decide to go over to the other channel? That's a, that is a, that's a great question. I mean, if you think about it, the only reason why, you know, Rhea Ripley won the title at WrestleMania was because of the fact that she was out and they falsely thought that she was pregnant and a whole bunch of other things. I mean, so, and also, you know, her boyfriend and could be future husband. And then he's already there. So, right. So, I mean, it's an, it's an open, I know we keep on saying the forbidden door, but you know what? It sounds like it's an open door. Where if you're interested in coming, like you said, they'll at least use you once. I mean, we just saw that last night with uh, 2.0, the former Everize, which uh, they were used. Who knows if they'll ever come back in for another shot. But you know what? If you're available and Tony Khan thinks that he can he can do something with you, he'll give you he'll give you a chance. Well, let's not put Everize and Charlotte in the same category. Clearly, if Charlotte became a free agent, Tony Khan's going to throw everything at her, maybe even more so than the previous people we just mentioned, including Adam Cole. If you could put Charlotte Flair in a ring right now with Britt Baker, I'm sure Tony Khan would pay whatever it costs to get her in there to do that. Oh, absolutely. And uh, just, uh, of course, so we've got Jackie Endy, the host of You Don't Know Jackie podcast. Um, 
and our social media expert uh, put a little comment. Hopefully, Mr. Morin put a shovel to pick up Corey since Jay is on vacation. So uh, once again, whoever's in that other chair, uh, Jackie uh, takes their side and whatever. I'm not saying she's wrong, but like at least on, you know, the week of my birthday, I at least I got a little love for people, but whatever. When is your birthday over the weekend, right? Yeah, August 8th, uh, two days before you and uh, Jason. Two nice, people nice. Me, you know, majority of the time, both birthdays are on, on the 10th. So uh, early. How about birthday. that? All Leos. Yeah. A trio of Leos. Uh, and uh, Jackie Andy put an interesting point out here. Tony Khan is going to have the new uh, WWE. Hey, if you can get that big, that'd be great. As long as the booking isn't the same, more power to wrestling getting better as it goes. But uh, yeah. all right, wait, real quick before let me jump in on that statement. Sure. Everyone thought that was the case. If you looked at WCW 1996, 97, 98, nobody saw what was coming in 99, 2000, and an eventual sale back to Vince. No one saw that coming. That is, that's absolutely an interesting point there. Um, oh, and of course, just another comment here from, from Jackie. I don't, I don't start being nice until Sunday. There you go. Uh, there's at least a little hope that, you know, on Monday 43, some, someone might actually be nice to me. I'm not counting on it, but we'll, we'll see what happens. But um, I do think it's, like I said, it's a really interesting time in the industry on what WWE is and is not doing to build their brand. And let's, let's get into something that me and Jay have spoken about week after week since the call-up of Karrion Cross, Karrion Cross, who is the NXT, ch- uh, NXT champion, basically unbeatable for a year and a half, came up to the main roster, lost to Jeff Hardy. Following week, Jeff Hardy gets COVID, so he's no longer be able to part of the storyline. He beats Keith Lee pretty, pretty handily fashion. Not a great match, but he beat him. Then this week, remember, still the NXT champion has a title match. On SummerSlam weekend against Samoa Joe, the big returning guy who the fans love and is hoping to maybe get finally end this reign, he loses clean as a whistle to Keith Lee. We'll get into a couple other guys and how they're treated, but we haven't had you, uh, haven't had you on the show to talk about this. What's your thoughts on the treatment of NXT over the last month by you know WWE, a.k.a. Vince McMahon? I keep talking about the fly on the wall. Wouldn't you love to be a fly on the wall? Just to hear what Triple H's reaction to all of this is. I mean, his, you know, in the cartoons where the steam is coming out of someone's head and just the, the face gets really bright red. I mean, what are they doing? And how does he, first of all, I don't know why Triple H doesn't just call Cross and say, come back, come back. You're not going to run anymore. I mean, what power does Triple H have to say, to tell Cross, no, 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 you don't run out. Can you imagine, like, what? at what point does Triple H say, no, you're not doing this to him. You're not. I'm going to keep him here now. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's absolutely insane on the idea, the fact that they could not wait. They could not wait a month. They could not waited to the day after some, the Monday uh, after, after SummerSlam, bring him up to Raw. He's lost the title. You can go and do this storyline where he loses until um, Scarlett comes up and is basically his lightning rod to go and, make him the guy. This is what makes no sense. I understand that you got to freshen things up and they, they brought up, you know, uh, Shotzi and, and Knox, of course, two casualty of first and last names was they come to the main roster, but you just wonder what is the end game on you want NXT NXT when it was on the network, or if you want to say Peacock, it's not being seen by the masses. And you could say this week on sci-fi 520,000, People watched it, so maybe it's not really being seen by anybody. I mean, you know, somebody like Impact would, would die for those type of numbers. 
But the idea, the fact is, if you want to treat this like a true developmental, do not have them on national TV Tuesday nights on USA Network. It almost feels like they're being punished for losing the quote unquote war. Right. That's a great point. Put them back on. uh, Well, there is no more network, but just have them exclusively on Peacock then. So you don't worry about the numbers and you don't worry about the exposure. Like you said, it's what is that a fourth of what Raw gets? Two million versus 500,000. And but it's just, I, yeah. yeah, it's, it's like, what, I mean, uh, and then fu- the funny thing is like Keith Lee got his first win since what, uh, 2018? When, when did he have his last win? It's just like, what? I mean, how long before he gets future endeavored? You kind of feel like I, I, him winning makes no, even more less sense. This is like, what are they doing? How is that? Is- yeah. I mean, they're both, uh, they're both one and two since coming back onto the, uh, coming back post, you know, uh, fans coming in. Um, and the other part is, and we'll have this little thing over here for a minute, but think about SmackDown this past week. The la- last week you ended SmackDown with Finn Balor coming out and challenging Roman Reigns. Everyone who know- who's in the know or even who's looked at a dirt sheet over the last, you know, four months knows that the plan is Cena versus Roman Reigns. But you brought some, some interest from people on the idea, maybe they go in a different direction, or maybe it'd be a three-way or something else. And then all of a sudden you have basically Finn Balor being used as a stepping stone as part of just a gimmick for a segment to go and get to the, uh, the John Cena situation. And then you never hear anything. Maybe he said something on social media this week, but never anything about Finn Balor being upset that he lost his title shot or anything like that. I mean, the way that they handled that segment with Cena in the first place wasn't great. But, you know, it's just crazy on the way that you come back from NXT and you're thought of as like a third class citizen. Well, not only that, now he's going to get now I don't know if he's going to get fed to Corbin. But the fact that I, I look, a lot of people like this new Corbin character and it is kind of more entertaining than what he's done in the past. But now you go from challenging for the universal title to Baron Corbin. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what you're going to be doing now at SummerSlam. What is that? True. I mean, it will be interesting to see how, how that develops. But and there's the other part with NXT. And I know that I'm not we're not trying to be super negative for the whole entire show. If you want that, you can listen to Chris Moore. And, you know, he, he brings out the the anger. We, I try to be the light to uh, his anger. But hey, I, hey, I'm partial, sir. Sir, when things are good, I say things are good. Unfortunately, 80 percent of wrestling is not good. I at points, I could agree with you quite a bit on that. And uh, unfortunately, this week we, we're saying that quite a bit until hopefully there'll be something good coming up. But. You think about this, NXT, and like I said, this is a bigger issue, but NXT, until, you know, basically three weeks ago, if you want a title in NXT, at least the main roster would say something. This one makes no sense. You have Karrion Cross come on TV with the NXT title. Then when you have Charlotte come out after, right before she gets cashed in on, she goes and says now she's 11-time champion. Her two title wins of, NXT, of the NXT title don't exist, even though she won one of them at WrestleMania. And a lot of people thought that was the best match of that, you know, of that weekend. And you have, you know, um, Finn Balor come out. It's not even part of his graphic, the fact he's a two-time champion. It's just like, and I know I'm, I'm a broken record here, but I don't get the point of why all of a sudden NXT doesn't exist or it's basically being punished. Yeah, it's, it, it just boggles everybody's mind. No, everyone's sitting there going, what are they doing? What, what, is, what is the purpose? Why would Vince do this to guys that, could be your future. That's another thing. I don't know if we're going to go back and talk about Goldberg, but when your main event or one of your main matches at SummerSlam as a 53-year-old guy, 
when you're now, you could be pushing the future of, tom- you know, the, tomorrow's got I know Damian Priest finally did get a win and won in a tag match, but guys like him, and then you had Riddle getting, what, did he get destroyed by almost? Because I know he lost, yeah, but I don't he know if he got destroyed. My point is, where are tomorrow's stars? Like the casual fan can get into for the future. You would think Riddle could be that guy. Priest could be that guy. Cross eventually will be that guy. But if you're showing your casual fan and even your diehard audience, these guys don't mean anything to me. Well, then why am I investing my time in your company? It's it. That's very true. I mean, and I guess this is a bigger, bigger question here. Me and you will remember six months from now that the first time we saw Carrie Cross on the main roster, he lost in, you know, 101 seconds, I think it was. Yeah. Um, with yes, he had the foot on the ropes and everything else, but then all of a sudden this past week, he lost clean to uh, Keith Lee, which is great. Keith Lee finally getting a win. But if he is, if Karrion Cross is a champion in, in, eight, in six months on the main roster, are people, gonna, like I said, between me and you and the Jays, are, are, are the average fan going to remember that? And the thing that I'm saying, like first impressions mean a ton, or are people going to be like, hey, he's champion. That never happened. Mistakes, mistakes happen. Well, I'll say this. That's a good, right. That's a good thought. Cause I do think a lot of wrestlers today, the way guys are pushed and pulled, if you will, they have nine lives. A lot of wrestlers do have nine lives and the fans have to kind of still stay behind them to think about the potential future of a push. And a prime example of that, of a guy like that is hangman Adam page. Think about what's happened to him recently. Fans still are trying to be behind this guy, but he's hanging by a thread in terms of fans caring. And that's the concern long-term is how do you get a guy back to making people care? And then, you know, like, again, no, you're right. If you do put a belt on a guy and eventually he becomes indestructible, then people are going to care again, but that takes time to build. Yeah. Um, So what's, what's your, what's your thoughts? Do you think NXT in a couple of months, WWE will want, or AK Vince will once again be like, Oh yeah, that's great. We'll actually, notice that NXT exists? Or do you think this is the slow decline of Vince's limited interest to begin with with NXT? Oh, I don't know. I can't answer that. I, I don't know what the, the old man is thinking. I don't know who he's being influenced by. Here's another question. How much has Kevin done in his ear on top of Nick Khan? You remember, we heard all the stories about how much Triple H and Kevin Dunn can't stand one another and why he's even down there. So wh- what's going on? I mean, it just seems like it's it's becoming a war within the company right now. Yeah. Um, and like I said, it's like a lot of things. We will continue to follow this and we'll see how it how it does progress. But uh, let's, let's talk a little bit of NXT as a whole this past week. They have a pay-per-view coming up in, I guess, what, two weeks, I believe, from now. Uh, like I said, SummerSlam weekend. Do you do you think that the build, I guess it's twofold here. One, do you actually care about NXT right now because of how it's being treated, at least in our minds? And two, What's your thoughts on the build towards this pay-per-view? Because we've got uh, Gonzalez versus Dakota Kai. I thought Dakota Kai segment with that promo patch I thought was pretty well done, and we'll hear the response next week from Raquel. And like I said, you've, you've got the main event for the, for the title with Joe and Cross. You mostly have, which we'll find out the stipulation most likely, of Cole versus um, Cool Kyle. I'm going to keep on calling him that right now. What, what's your interest level? Well, no, and you're forgetting the fourth match, too, which is odd because I don't know what match is the main event here because you're going to give us in the States on national te- – well, on Peacock. Oh, that's right. You're going to give us Walter versus – right, Ellie Dragunov. What, what, what show or what match are you ending this show with? This, this show is now loaded with those four matches. 
I mean, I would say, I would, I would think, especially if Joe's going to win and I, and I, and the way that he's been treated, if, the, if they somehow decide to keep the title across, that is more mind blowing than anything else. Cause I would think at this point, the way he's being treated, you just get him off that show. And then you, you say, all right, cool. But I would go with the, I would go with cross versus Joe, especially if you're going to have a title change. But like I said, coming back to the idea, do you have interest in NXT as a whole or because of the no. way that they're being portrayed, it's hard to even no. care. Overall, I don't care. I think that a lot of the storylines are just who cares. I mean, uh, this past week, or excuse me, Tuesday night, you saw this horrible restaurant segment with Zoe Stark and Io Shirai. I was like, why did I need to see that? What was, was the point of it? Hmm? I mean, neither one of us are the most fully correct people who ever lived, but that was just plain old offensive uh, on all of that. I mean, you and that you almost felt that was something that Vince most likely produced, even though Vince doesn't care about NXT. But there's just so many segments, even like the stuff with Indy and, and Loomis and all that stuff. I was like, that's not NXT. That's not what NXT was founded on. All these skits are, are just, they scream Monday Night Raw. I don't want to see that crap. So in terms of, let's get back to the pay-per-view. The pay-per-view with those four matches are as good as it gets. So yeah, of course there's interest there, but the rest of the show, I don't care. And, and, and let's be real though, they're only going to add one more match. Most takeovers have five matches, so there's your four. And I don't know what else. Maybe we'll get a Swerve match, a Kushida match. I don't know, something. I mean, I'm guessing it'll most likely be, they haven't announced it, but I'm guessing it might be the finals for the NXT breakout star. And as much as I like some of this, some of these guys, I don't really care about this tournament right now. You know, I mean, I'm guessing that, you know, you have the kid who uh, faced Adam Cole, mostly win this tournament because he's got a lot of charisma. But honestly, do you really care even about the NXT breakout tournament at this point? It's not really no. too much for me. Not at all. I mean, I've heard people say they like the looks of Odyssey Jones. He looks like a decent big man and he's still green, obviously. All these guys are green. But I think that the finals are going to – it's going to be the the uh, Will Ospreay clone, Trey Baxter, against Carmelo Hayes. I think that will be the, the final. And like I said, on paper, that will be a great – that should be a really good match. On, you know, and and if you've watched, you know, New Japan, Strong, or, or Impact, you've seen Trey, uh, Trey Baxter – before you know he's one of the last really big names on the indies to, to come over but i agree with you i mean on paper this should be a really good card and i'll and of course i'll watch it jay will watch it you know people will watch it but i just don't feel that interest level is really there and i understand you're on the sci-fi network and you know five hundred twenty thousand for two straight weeks is actually not a bad number for a new channel which barely got promoted it will be interesting what they do you know next week on the, I believe that's the go-home show for the pay-per-view. It'll be interesting to see where they go and what the actual entry level is leading into a possible, the last one or two times you'll see Adam Cole, Bebe. What stipulation would you put in this match? Because this is now the third match, right? This is the rubber match, technically? Yeah, well, I mean, if you're not going to re-sign him, and I know we're bumping around a little bit, but if you're not going to re-sign Adam Cole, and apparently from, you know, like I said, Fightful has said this, and also I believe PW Insider has also reported from their sources he has not been offered an extension or anything at this point, Adam Cole. I think it's got, and maybe it gives away the ending. Too bad. I think you do, you know, loser leaves, uh, loser leaves NXT. Well, if they do that, we know he's gone for sure. And Unless you've re-signed him and he's going to the main roster, but yeah. Well, wait, what, um, when, when is this contract actually up? It was, well, it's already, uh, it was already up and he signed an extension through SummerSlam, SummerSlam weekend. Oh, wow. <laughs> Okay. I, I we'll think see. That's an interesting way to possibly uh, do it. And just catching up on one of the comments in the chat. Uh, and I think this will make uh, you laugh, Chris. Uh, Jackie Andy put on, how much longer could Vince be around? 
know, I really think Vince might live, outlive us all. He's, he's, you know, him, Keith Richards will, will last, you know, till the end of time. <laughs> I mean, he seemed like he had some energy back when, when SmackDown returned on that Friday night. I don't know what they injected him with for that moment, but he seemed like he was Vince from 20 years ago. Yeah. Um, so, like I said, NXT was fine. You know, NXT is always a good wrestling show at times. But uh, what was your thoughts on this? Because I know that you're I know you say you, you're fair and you see how things are and you're not biased. But what was your thoughts on, on Dynamite? Because, you know, Jay usually has some discouraging comments. So I need to keep that going. So what was your thoughts? On we talk, this week? Well, there's so much to conquer with Dynamite. So many things happened. I don't know what you would like to talk about specifically, because as an overall show, I'm not going to just, you know, rate it and just say that. That's not what I do. But I don't know, in terms of like the storyline with Hangman Page, it's confusing to me, really confusing. Because you hear, again, what we read online, I always take with a grain of salt because we don't know how much is true. I, I like to see multiple people reporting something. But when it came out this past week that Hangman Page is not in their plans to be in the main event at All Out against Kenny Omega, why did they do what they did then by having Hangman in the ring with Omega again Unless you're just in for twofold, are you going to do the match? Or are you just killing Hangman Page completely now? That made no sense. What are they doing? Yeah, that's a super interesting point there because you can look at it two ways. One, this is something that they're keeping so tight lipped that even the Dave Meltzer's of the world who do, you know, who, you know, does a very good job as, as we call him Uncle Dave, like him or not, you know, he's had Tony Khan on and Kenny Omega and a couple other people as of late. But is this being done to go and it's being super kept quiet and he doesn't even know? Or is it to the fact that, you know, just like seems like everyone who was stuck in the house during the pandemic, he, you know, he's having a kid coming up soon and maybe they're writing him off or the pay-per-view that was named after him from the very beginning. Do you hold off and do you, does he win the title at full gear? I think that's a terrible idea. If you put in the title, you should be on your quote unquote biggest show. That's what I would do personally. But what about that thought? The idea that maybe they're holding off that he finally wins the title at full gear, telling the full two-year story of, you know, him getting in shape and all the other stuff that led into that, the name of that show. I don't know. I, I, I think they're, they might be dropping the ball here completely because now what are you going to tell me? You're going to put Christian in the match now, who, by the way, it, it makes sense of this for me in terms of wins and losses. Christian just beat the blade and is now the number one contender by beating the blade. You, you, there's no logic there. I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, you could, if you want to go and play, just give them the, the benefit of the doubt. He was number two, number one loss, so he moves up to number number one. But I see exactly what you're saying there. I mean, he should be beating better competition. But I, I still think there's a good chance that on either that first or – well, you, you already have the Britt Baker versus Red Velvet on the first of Rampage show. Maybe in that Chicago show, yes, we, we're all expecting CM Punk to show up, but maybe your main event for that, for that show is Christian versus Kenny Omega, and that's his uh, – last title match before the pay-per-view. I mean, you could do that. And I think, and we'll speak about this in a moment, the idea that this show is on at 10 o'clock. Yes, you don't want to go and fight up against the audience of SmackDown. But what do you think of that possibility if he actually challenges on that second uh, Rampage show? Wait, who's going to challenge? Christian versus uh, Kenny Omega as your... Uh, oh, your oh I see. Your, so you're saying we're all out. Yeah. I don't know. I mean... I mean, obviously, they're putting the, the title match between, like you said, Baker and, and Velvet. By the way, I didn't know Velvet was a midget. Did you see how short she is? <laughs> I didn't realize that. Um, but 
there's a lot of question marks with their what their plans are right now. Everyone thought a month ago, Hangman Page was the guy. It's gonna be Omega and Hangman at, at main event and all out. And now we're like, what are they doing? Absolutely. And I guess the last point on this would be the idea of we hear this with WWE all the time now. Pay-per-views are less important than TV. TV ratings are what makes this company go. And right now they're doing four straight weeks, over a million, especially yes. two weeks going against the Olympics. You have this big show in Arthur Ashe Stadium, which is going to have like apparently like 19,000 people there. And I guess they're still trying to make more room if possible. That big show that, you know, supposedly will be the debut of Brian Danielson. Is it more important for him to win the title at your big, your big major pay-per-view or with TV ratings being so important, that being the headlining match at Arthur Ashe Stadium? Page versus Omega for the title. I mean, they they could go that direction. I don't know. I mean, look, there's so many variables here in terms of when does Punk actually debut at the Chicago United Center show? When the, there's so many unknown in terms of how they book things going forward that we have to wait and see. Like who comes in early, who comes in later? How does All Out shape up? How does they author Ash? There, there's there's so little time here. And that they have to do everything to, to have it make sense. Because you don't want to just hot shot a title shot. Are you going to bring Punk in and then now have Punk and Omega all out? What are they, you know what I mean? Think about it if they did something like that. Actually, you know what? How many people do you, I think their highest number ever for uh, pay per view buys, they're about like 130 or 140,000 at this point. And, ma- and make sense wise, I don't think it would make sense, but. It, with two weeks' notice, you tell people that it's going to be after seven years of you know being anti WWE and not not basically being anywhere except for a couple of spots under a mask. CM Punk in Chicago versus Kenny Omega for the title. No, it's hot shotting, but you don't think that could give you you know 150, 175 thousand people on pay per view and a lot more mainstream you know uh, coverage if that's your main event. I'm not saying oh. it's 40, but I mean. Right. Well, listen, they wouldn't be the first to hot shot a match like that. It happens in the business. The question is, how do you sustain that? Like, let's give kudos because I said it. I know you're in our text chain and you always talk about, oh, well, when AEW did the million after a week, I poo-pooed it and I said, well, let's see if they can sustain it. And here they are three weeks later, four straight weeks of a million plus. And that's an incredible achievement that, 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 that should not be understated. And now going forward to continue that million, and then eventually get up to the 1.5 and so on and so forth, which I believe with Punk and Danielson, they're going to do the 1.5. It's just a matter of time with them on the show. Because that's another question, by the way, with this increase in ratings that has come since the speculation of Punk and Danielson coming, it makes you think that whether it's WWE fans coming over or people who stopped watching, that extra 150 to 200,000 people are coming from somewhere. Oh, and just to make sure, I just want to give the right information. Um, based on WrestleNomics at um, Twitter, 135,000 is the highest uh, AEW pay-per-view buy rate worldwide uh, so far. And it's going to be interesting to see where they go from there. But I, uh, Jason uh, pointed out they, they don't need to fight for the title to spike that buy rate. I mean, I, I don't disagree with that, but I mean – is Omega, and like I said, I don't want to harp on this point, even though I do that every time. Omega versus Punk is most likely bigger than having Punk versus Darby Allen slash Omega versus Page on a pay per view. I'm just, you know, I just think, you know, if you're just going, and I, like I, I'll say this again, the hardcores or the smart marks, whatever you want to call ourselves, 
are going to watch the show because of the fact it's a good product. But the average fan, if you can go and continue to go to social media and everything else, the idea of seeing the guy that everyone says is the best wrestler in the world over the last like, three years versus the guy who was the voice of the voiceless who said F you to WWE, I think that's the biggest match if you you know that they can mostly do right now. It is. Answer this question then. If Punk wins the title, which would only make sense, he's not gonna he's not gonna wrestle Megan not when the roof comes off the building at that arena when they end the pay-per-view, who then is next in line to go against Punk? Daniel Bryan. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, Brian Danielson. But uh, and talking about the ratings here quickly, uh, Jackie Andy wrote in, just wait until next week when uh, MTV's The Challenge starts off. And I don't know how much you, you filed this or not, but the only thing that beats AW most weeks during the season is uh, The Challenge, which does basically like a 0.5 rating with, with women. So it takes away the majority of their audience and that's coming back next week. So that's, that will be kind of the interesting test. If there's not a major news story or, you know, a sporting event, the one thing that could hurt AW with their million views and maybe taking away some of these female viewers who weren't turned away by, you know, like a Nick Gage versus a Chris Jericho from two weeks ago will be the return of MTV's challenge, which like I said is 18 to 49 has beaten it's AW almost the whole entire last season. Yeah, I'm not I'm not too privy of that show, but I'll say this. What what actually I'll ask this. Out of the million people that they get, how, how many of them are on women? Uh they I believe it's it's like like I said, it's like a 0.52 or 0.54 was the uh the 18 to 49, uh, 18 to uh 49 women is what they do, and they I believe their 18 to 49 overall was like, you know, somewhere between 900,000 and 850 or something most weeks. So it's it's got a huge audience. And it's, like I said, for me, it's not my type of thing. But, you know, we jokingly even noticed it last year because Leo Rush was on the show, you know, at the beginning of the season. And the big tweet was Leo Rush beat AEW at that point. And then, of course, Leo no, Rush I'm joined, asking, so. maybe maybe I didn't ask it correctly. Sure. Um, I'm asking how many women watch AEW every week? Um, it depends. I mean, I believe their ratings as of late have been a lot better than uh, they were. I mean, it's like, I think it was like a 0.34, which I, I know this is all, you know, gibberish to a lot of people, but they do have a solid 18 to 34 with women, which has been challenged because of the blood and guts aspect, which they have done over time. So we will see how that rates out. Okay. Um, I guess the, the big subject, and I think we kind of did, spoke about this. We spoke about this a little bit on pre-show, but the big thing that came out of AEW Homecoming was the main event. You had quote-unquote good versus evil, Cody in the in the white suit versus Malachi Black in the, in the, the black suit. Um, what was your thoughts on, once again, Cody putting over a new coming star? And then we could talk about his quote-unquote possible re, uh, retirement, which of course is Will be part of it. Okay, I'm going to go a little ADD here because as you just referenced Malachi Black and I just talked about before, Punk winning the title off Omega and who would be the guy to chase Punk? Malachi Black. That could be really interesting. How, that, that's money right there. There's money in that. Uh, what I'll say is this. You know, I'm not the biggest Cody fan. <laughs> so when And we talked about this. I, I know you're a big fan of Brandy Rhodes, but that's, that's something else. <laughs> I used to be until I realized she's with that guy and I don't get it. So that, um, that too turns off a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. Cody loves himself. I'm convinced. And I've said this on my show 
that when Cody has sex, he calls out his own name. And I really, I don't get Cody. I think he's, he's overrated. I think even the AW fans have kind of turned on him a little bit with some of the things he's done, especially with that, the promo about with, with the whole London thing and <laughs> everything there when just on a tangent that he does. I don't think people miss him. And I said this to you earlier when he's gone and I don't, you said he's going to go shoot the show now. Yeah. The, the, the big show uh, season two. I mean, look, black, black can be a future star in this company. And I, I, whether Cody was leaving or not, you had to put this guy over. You had to. Yeah. I, I don't disagree. But like I said, the one thing I give him credit for, and you could say this is, he thinks it's making himself even look better as being the beloved, you know, uh, God that he all promoters are. He did this with Brody Lee, and now he's on with Malachi Black. He basically got squashed. And you could say that he's not as over as he thinks he is, but he is, you know, one of the top two or three faces in the company. And by, you know, being, at least in my opinion, selfless enough to do what is best for the company. And you could say, yes, he's leaving. So he's doing the honors of what his father would do and everybody of that other generation. But I do give Cody credit the fact that he did it with Brody, doing Malachi Black, and we'll see what Malachi Black can do now that he's been given this platform. You know, to be. Wait, answer this question. Sure. Well, well, let's ask this question though. If he's not given these TV deals or these offers, whatever TV shows, is he doing the honors if he's never leaving? It's a fast. That's a fascinating idea. I mean, you would hope. I mean, if you think about it this way, and this is a, a complaint by a lot of. A lot of AEW hardcores or different things when this company first started. The first year of the company, Cody lost all the time. Omega didn't have the title. The Bucks barely won. And then the, the complaint was the idea that we went and joined to follow this company and your, your vision because we wanted to see you guys be on top. Year two, or year, you know, basically 18 months in, all of a sudden Omega is the big star. The Bucks have the titles. And, you know, Cody was doing what he's doing. And I still think it's a hindrance, the idea that he said he's never wrestling for the title, the, the main title. But I think it's going to be interesting on what happens if and when Cody decides that, you know, he's going to go and put, step step away for more than, you know, two months to shoot a show. Or when, you know, Omega finally loses the title, the Bucks of the title, what happens next and how the fans re- relate or react on the idea that maybe they take a backseat again. Or do they this time go and are still main event players, but just not in the title picture for a little while. Cause I mean, I think that's an interesting dynamic on how they built this company. Yeah. I mean, answer a question for me. What, what do you think about Miro and, and the way he's just destroying people? I mean, the way he just put, I mean, he destroyed Shadi Johnson and I like the way they did that, but obviously every ring comes to an end. Who would you beat Miro with? Huh. Uh, for people who are there now, I think my choice, I know he's not great on the mic and me and Jason have had this discussion in the past. I think the guy is, is jungle boy. I think he's got that baby face fire, the, the, yeah. the, the women and kids love him, And I think the men actually, they love doing the song and everything. I think he might be the guy to take time. I wouldn't take the title off him for quite a while. Right. But I mean, I do think that's the, the obvious choice. I mean, maybe you can go with a, a pure like fighter, like an Eddie Kingston who just won't give up. No, no, I wouldn't do that. No, but I, I but I think the, the the obvious choice is either Darby Allen getting the title back. No, or, I agree with Jungle Boy. Boy. I agree with that. Although I did have another thought too. I think we talked about this. Is that in terms of tag teams, like if I were to beat the Bucks with a team right now, I would like to do a combination team 
of whether it's Jungle Boy, Orange Cassidy, or Darby Allen, any of the three to be a tag team to beat the Bucks, because that would be super over if any of those three teamed together. Interesting. I mean, I don't know if I would go that direction. I mean, I know that you you couldn't you know you couldn't care less about the Dark Order, but I still think the story should be all the Dark Order taking the titles away from all the people from the elite. But I mean, we'll see how that plays out over time. But uh, I think this is a good time to uh, let people know about your 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 phenomenal podcast, Morin's Law, and you know how they could follow you and you know continue to hear very interesting and entertaining you know takes about you know our schmuck of a mayor uh, if you live in New York. I'm sorry, governor. Uh, Cuomo. Oh yeah, <laughs> she's always and she's always. Listen, the things he's done and the fact that people still support him is mind blowing. But yeah, some people still support him. So yeah, you can check out Morning's Love podcast on all available platforms. Uh, I think I'm doing a show this week. It's been a little while. It's kind of taking a little bit of a break right now. Just uh, I don't know, but yeah, stuff will be there. I'm also. Uh, writing articles now for some other website, which I don't have at the moment, but I'm going to be doing stuff like that too, which you can hear on the podcast because I'll plug it there. But yeah, not much going on really. Just uh, just kind of relaxing at this moment. Very cool. Uh, and of course, if you want to check out other shows on the Life Group Facebook network, we have a Monday's Donk City, which is our baseball show. Tuesday's The Audible, which is our football podcast, which I'm sure they'll get into we have actual football tonight. I believe we have the Hall of Fame game. Couldn't pay me to watch that, but now there's only three preseason games. Maybe uh, after the show's over, maybe I'll watch. Doubtful. On most Thursdays, you have the Workshoot Wrestling Podcast, which you're listening to right now. Of course, you can follow us at Workshoot Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, most Fridays, you've got the Step Back, Talking NBA, and I'm sure they'll talk about the free agency period. And, you know, the Knicks uh, making one smart move and one dumb move. Resigning Derrick Rose, not sure how that's going to work out long-term. But getting Kemba Walker, I think that could be a move at least short-term. And we've got our, on most Sundays, and they returned this past uh, past week, the Total Bases podcast, which is our fantasy baseball uh, show. So, I mean, check out all of those. And, of course, we have our sister podcast of the Workshop Wrestling Podcast on the FamDune Network. You Don't Know Jackie, which is our comedy podcast. Jason does it a lot better than I, I do, but uh, – you don't know Jackie, Jackie Endy, Jackie Rachel, myself, Corey Richmond, not Jackie Corey, as he says every week. But, you know, we uh, will be talking about the show Sexy Beast. I'm sorry, Sexy Beast uh, from Netflix uh, next week's episode. If you want to keep any of your sanity, uh, Chris, do not watch that show. It is a, it's a dumpster fire of epic proportions. <laughs> By the way, can, can we have a moment of silence for the Jericho Hooventude match, please? Can we just. You know what? If you watch, I think the first two minutes of that match were atrocious, but I think yeah. that, later on I thought it did get better. So I mean, I personally, I know that Jay couldn't really couldn't care that much about the return of Hooven to. I was excited for it. You know, let's talk. We'll get into our final subject, but let's talk about that quickly. You have the five um, tests for Jericho. Oh yeah. The idea of Wardlow being the fourth test, I kind of feel, is kind of a letdown. I mean, maybe we get a Lance Storm or someone else you know, coming in as one of that last, that last thing. But I mean, Wardlow, I like a lot. Maybe it's the fact I don't want to see Wardlow lose to Jericho when I think that's it. Still- no, I got to cut you off. That's exactly the reason we thought by this point, Wardlow would be something more just like we did with Paige. And I feel like they're losing something here with these two guys in terms of how many times can you beat a guy? Even MJF is approaching this status. Not MJF doesn't lose a lot, but my point is in, in terms of putting them in the limelight, making them feel like they matter. 
how many times can you take a guy and just pull the rug underneath him before the fans just go like, I don't think the same of MJF anymore to you. It's just like, he's just another guy. Um, I still think maybe because he's so good on the mic, it lets it, it helps me forget the fact that he hasn't been possibly as strong as of late. Oh, and uh, Jackie Andy reminds me the fact that I'm a hypocrite on the idea that I, I've never watched any of these reality shows, but I, that Sexy Beast left such a bad taste in my mouth that I have been watching F-Boy Island on HBO Max. And when you compare that to this, much better. First six episodes, I'm actually entertained. I was kiddingly said I might actually do an after show about it. I don't think I have that much time to do it, but if you have HBO Max, you may want to check it out. Hot girls, dumb guys, a couple of twists. I've found it interesting, but... I think, Corey, being your, you're a CBS employee, I would like to see what? you on Big Brother. Uh, I don't know if I would fit through the door at this point. No. Uh, I thought you were going to say Love Island. Uh, but, you no. know, watch everything on CBS if you get a chance. But um, last couple of things. Uh, we spoke about pre-show. Um, the idea that because of the spread of this Delta, Delta variant uh, with COVID, there had been some rumors that, you know, SummerSlam could get canceled, move back to the, um, the Thunderdome. Um, Matt Mint podcast, who has broken a couple of stories lately, uh, said just spoke to a contact at Alliance, Alliance Stadium, uh, mentioned he has heard the rumors, but nothing um, internal regarding SummerSlam being canceled. As of today, the event is happening and we are preparing for it uh, as we speak. So who knows what will happen? I know there's a lot of people in our you know, chat group. We're super interested in some of these events. I mean, I'm going to the um, Dynamite uh, before All Out in Chicago, which, you know, fingers crossed that doesn't get canceled. So, I mean, a lot of people are worried about this. And, you know, this is not the platform to say, you know, you know what you believe or don't believe politically. But, you know, everyone, you know, wear the mask, get vaccinated if you can to help this problem. But uh, I just called you Jay for the first time on the podcast. I apologize. Uh, That's okay. Uh, Corey, just so you know, um, I just wanted to say this. It was nice knowing you because we're all going to be dead soon. Just, just to put it out there. Wow, that's that's the positivity we, we all expected. I was expecting this all show. I'm glad we finally got there. But uh, what's your <laughs> thoughts? Do you? I guess twofold. One, you think the WWE, AW, and all these people are making a mistake by holding the shows now that the Delta variant has become so prevalent, or do you think that if they're doing it smart, like as the only nice thing I'll ever say about James Dolan, apparently. To get into the uh, Madison Square Garden, you have to be vaccinated. Uh, what's your thoughts on this? Because, I mean, Cody on, you know, his press conference uh, the last sh- um, his homecoming show said that we will follow whatever the, the rules are in the state that we are. And if they need you to be vaccinated, we'll do that. I mean, that could lead to a lot of people canceling, you know, their tickets. But what's your thoughts on these companies continually to run shows now that we have more you know, information about the Delta variant? Well, yeah, I think they're monitoring the numbers daily, which, by the way, have increased at a ridiculous rate. Over 100,000 cases reported yesterday nationwide. Now, the death number is still relatively low, which shouldn't be anything to celebrate about because all those people that are now infected, they that number is going to come up as, of course, the unvaccinated continue to get the, the, the variants, which is a, a major concern. Uh, in terms of the companies and their decision-making, I mean, we're going to hear things every day. Listen, every every day that the numbers take a, a turn for the worse, we're going to hear more stuff and more rumors about what do we do here because they don't want blood on their hands, so to speak, right? I mean. Well, WWE's had a lot of blood on their hands for many different reasons over the years. But, uh, <laughs> we will, we'll see how that, how that definitely plays out. 
Now, this is a lot of uncertain times right now. Nobody knows what's going on. We don't know. I mean, I joke about us all being dead in a few months, but who knows? What if we are? Well, at least uh, we won't have to pay rent. Um, <laughs> yeah, I apologize. Um, you don't have to watch any Cleveland Browns anymore. <laughs> oh, they, fi- they finally get good and we all die. That's great. Um, <laughs> Isn't it ironic, don't you think? Yeah, exactly. Sorry, I had a- <laughs> uh, actually, speaking of HBO Max, they actually are going to be doing, I believe, a documentary on uh, – Alanis Morissette, I think, uh, okay. later this year. So that's actually kind of funny. But the, the last, the absolute last topic, and I do appreciate all your time today, uh, everyone in the chat and Chris Moore, Chris Moore, you know, filling in very admirably for the human wheelbarrow, who uh, I don't know if you remember or not, but you actually coined the phrase the human wheelbarrow, which I hear quite too much nowadays. But um, yeah, it's, it's, it's very difficult shoes to fill. The man really does carry you on a weekly basis. It's, I'm sure it's tiring. Um, yeah. Why, why do you think he's on vacation? You, you, that's that's the uh, the general consensus here. Uh, but the last thing, I, Jordan Grace of Impact Wrestling um, had said recently that she was surprised. I guess the be- I guess the best way to put it was surprised. I don't think she wanted to burn any bridges, but surprised that women have not been more involved in this quote unquote forbidden you know forbidden door. And yes, with you you have the NWA um, empowered pay per view coming up at the end of the month with the all you know women's pay per view. And you had, you know, this week on Dynamite, you had a Camille uh, being there. Right, she was. Yeah, she was mentioned. Right, was she there? She was there. She they actually there, right. stand off with her and Leela Hirsch, who's you know she's five foot ten, and Leela Hirsch is four eleven on a good day. So it was, an, it was a really good, you know, visual. But what's your thoughts on this? The idea that you know Dina Perrazzo, who a lot of people think is maybe the best women's one of the best women's wrestlers in the world. You got you know Tennille. You've got other people. They haven't been evolved in this crossover of the Forbidden Door, with, especially with AEW. Do you think that it's something that will just come over time and they wanted to go slowly integrate people who are no more when it comes to men? Or do you think that this is just a, a big mistake as an overall, a lot of people say, with the women's division? I, what's your thoughts on the idea that, you know, Adina Perrazzo, Jordan Grace haven't been featured so far on AEW? Well, Jordan Grace has been known to speak her mind on the Internet. Is that accurate? Uh, she does not like trolls, but yes. Right. She, she needs to pipe down a little bit. I think there's more at hand right now, significantly going towards all out with AEW that they're worried about. And with all these guys getting released or just having contracts up, Tony Khan has a lot on his plate right now. I assure you, he will address everything when it makes sense. I don't, I don't disagree with that. But like I said, I, mean, I do see the idea that this quote unquote forbidden door has been opened for about like six months now. And you've basically have, you've seen, you know, the people who are this whole type bullet club type of situation has been the big focus. And they're the only women that have been done with used are Thunder Rosa and Serena Deebs and Serena Deebs now injured. But the idea of a lot of people say their weakest point of the show is their handling of women's wrestling. And it just feels like another, um, another idea of how Tony Khan cares but the men are what he cares about. And I guess you could say that you want to get one thing solidified. And yes, Britt Baker is one of the biggest things in all of wrestling right now. But the idea of that, the fact that, you know, she doesn't have many challengers and you've got maybe the strongest women's division besides NXT and impact. You would think you would use that as a resource. True. But that is a sense of entitlement to say, Oh, I deserve to be over there. I should be over there. It's his company at the end of the day. Let him make that decision. You're just going to burn bridges by saying stuff like that. Absolutely. Uh, and you know what? 
I once again appreciate you ha- being on the show again this week. And whenever you uh, want, you know, we'd be more than happy to go there to return the favor. And oh, I wait, we, we, I'm sorry, we have to go now because I, I have to go back to hating my life. I was actually enjoying it for a moment. Well, she usually gets really upset when we uh, we go super long. So I just thought it'd be fun. The fact that Wiki's not here. Okay. We actually were structured. But, you know, we can say that as long as you like. I mean, I, I love talking about wrestling, but um, <laughs> Jay, Jay's going to send me a text in about three minutes going, what the hell are you doing? Stop burying me. I'm only having fun. Um, he, and he's having actually a lot of fun in California where, you know, hmm. the world is falling apart there as well. But. Once again, I want to thank you a lot for joining me this week. And I want a lot, of, and people should, and we said this last week, I believe, but or two weeks ago, people should definitely check out the last uh, episode with you and uh, the Peeps Nate uh, with your breakdown of uh, Money in the Bank. Thought that was a really excellent uh, conversation the two of you had. And whenever there is a post pay per view, the two of you breaking it down is some of the is some of the best uh, material that I've heard. So I. Definitely, of course, listen to everything that you do, but those, especially those shows that you do with the, the Peeps Nate, I think are high quality. Well, thank you. I sincerely appreciate that. And uh, I always say at the end, the final word is usually Jason's, but I know what you usually say to end your podcast, and uh, I'm too tame for that. So uh, any final words besides your usual sign-off would be much appreciated. No, I will not do my usual sign-off on your show. That's for certain. But no, I th- I thank you. appreciate that. Thank you for having me on. It's always fun to be on. And uh, yeah, thanks. Thanks again. And, you know, once again, check out the Morning's Law podcast. Check us out wherever you listen to podcasts. And, you know, continue to support wrestling because when it's good, it's great. And then you got Monday Night Raw, which is, you know, not what you call good. So we will speak to you next week. Hopefully Jay will be able to join us. If not, we will uh, try to find a suitable... uh, co-host to replace him because who knows maybe he'll stay in chicago or not chicago chicago uh california forever enjoying the nice weather <laughs> but, uh, for chris morin Corey richmond have a great week and uh we'll see what happens next <laughs>